Because as an entrepreneur, you can always make more money. What you can't get back is your time. So I realize that when you're having these bad experiences, the real key is to catch that stuff as early as possible. And I think that's what I've gotten good at. Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, where we teach you and other busy pros how to grow your wealth so you can live life on your own terms. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Our guest today is Nathan Hirsch. Nathan is a serial entrepreneur and an expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. He started his first e-commerce business out of his college dorm room and has sold over $30 million online. He's now the co-founder and CEO of freeup.com, a marketplace that connects businesses and pre-vetted freelancers in e-commerce, digital marketing, and much more. He regularly appears on leading podcasts such as Entrepreneur on Fire, and he speaks at live events about online hiring tactics. Nathan, thank you for joining our tribe today. Taylor, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm ex- really excited to talk to you because you know online hiring, I think it's an awesome opportunity and tool that most people don't learning about. And personally, I'm just scratching the surface of, you know, it, with running my podcast and some of the real estate investing I do. So, you know, one of the questions I had just for the listeners as I'm thinking about our discussion today is what is the distinction between virtual assistants and freelancers if there is one? Yeah. So the way that I kind of differentiate is there's almost two types of people that you work with. The first type is where you already have the systems and the processes in place and you're hiring someone and teaching them how to follow them. And then they become a part of your business, usually for the long term. And for that, you're either hiring an internal employee in the US or you're hiring a virtual assistant, what I consider the outsourced labor. For me, I I hire a lot of people in the Philippines. They run the majority of the day-to-day operations of FreeUp. And on the FreeUp platform, we're about 40% Philippines. And when people need something for their day-to-day operations, whether it's customer service or fulfilling orders, whatever applies for their business, that's when I think of virtual assistant and outsourcing. The flip side of that is the mid-level specialists and the experts that are on the platform. And These are freelancers from all over the world, but they have their own system, their own process, their own expertise that they bring to the table. So when a client hires them, let's say to run their Facebook ads or to write a blog, then they're bringing their own expertise to the table. The client isn't teaching them. They aren't training them. They aren't doing the day-to-day operations of the business. They're doing that specialty or that expertise on that part of the business. And it may or may not be the core component of that client's business. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when I think about virtual assistants, and, and I use a few, absolutely right there, they do require a bit of training, but they only cost a couple bucks an hour. So if it takes you, you know, a little bit of time to get them trained up and eventually they can do the job perfectly well with minimal direction, then it's absolutely worth getting them trained up. But it, freelancers have that background already. They're more kind of a plug and play and they're probably a little bit more expensive if I had to read between the lines. And keep in mind, these are real people and they don't always fit in perfect boxes. And a virtual assistant can be a pretty vague statement. I mean, I've had clients who have hired a a very high level freelancer and for whatever reason, they call them a, a virtual assistant. They're virtual, they assist them with their business. So there's no right or wrong way. But in my mind, that's kind of how I differentiate the two. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I have a friend and colleague, Whitney Sewell, who runs a real estate syndication show, a daily podcast. And, uh, 
His virtual assistant is US-based and she is significantly more expensive than the folks that that I've hired in the Philippines, but she's been more plug and play, but she's probably four to five times more pricey per hour. So, you know, there is quite a bit of variability out there. So at FreeUp, what do you provide? You know, there are a good number of places to find VAs these days and freelancers. They all vary. They all offer something different. So what do you offer uh, uniquely at freeup.com? Yeah. So I grew my first business using virtual assistants and freelancers, and I got pretty good at it. But I always wanted a better, faster way than, than going on Upwork or Fiverr, where you post a job, get 50 people to apply, interview them one by one, and it just took forever. So I wanted something faster. So with FreeUp, we do it differently. We get thousands of applicants every week, freelancers and agencies from all over the world. We vet them, not just for skill, but for attitude and communication as well. We take the top 1%, let them in, and then make them available to our clients quickly whenever they need them. So our clients like it because it's free to sign up. There's no monthly fee, no maximums, minimums, no obligation. You can stop using us at any time, but you get fast access to talent whenever you need it. We have 24-7 support on the back end, including my calendar right on the website. And then we also have a no turnover guarantee. If freelancers quit in the middle of a project for any reason, we cover replacement costs and get you a new person right away so you know you're protected. So that's how we're different, the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service, and the protection. Wow, that's awesome because um, I use a couple of other, I haven't used your service yet, I use a couple of other VA services, including Fiverr. I find Fiverr to be the most frustrating out of all the services that I've used, but you're absolutely right, especially on Upwork. You post a job listing and you get 50 resumes and then you have to sort through, you know, it's pretty easy to get rid of a bunch of them because they just threw something out there. But then you have to interview them, you have to try them out, spend, you know, hire maybe three or four of them just to see what they actually end up doing, just to hire one. It takes a lot of time. Depending on what you're doing, it can be a much bigger cost than you were expecting. I definitely see the value in your service, but it, Assuming your price is higher, how's that all funded on the back end? Because it's got to come from somewhere. Are you a little bit more premium of a service than maybe an Upwork? I mean, we don't have the bottom of the barrel. I mean, we're not the Walmart of freelancers. We don't have freelancers for a dollar an hour or anything like that. But our prices are, are very close to market value. I mean, we're a marketplace. So the freelancers are setting their own rate. It's not like we're taking someone who's five bucks an hour and charging 20 and we take our, our 15%. So if someone is $10 an hour on another marketplace, they should be about $10 an hour on our marketplace. And people, since they set their own prices, if and these are freelancers and they offer their services in different places, we don't really control whether they offer higher or lower on different places. So it's usually out there or it's usually around there and clients can negotiate rates. They can agree to fix prices. They can set limits and pause and unpause freelancers. So they're really in complete control of the billing. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So as far as timing and none of us are flat earthers here, the earth is round. So people are in different time zones throughout the world. And and you probably have freelancers on your platform all throughout. Are the freelancers setting their own schedule and saying, hey, I'll be available Eastern Standard Time, even though I'm in the Philippines? Do you have any standards around that? Yeah, we have freelancers that work all different time zones. So if you put in your request that you want someone that can work Saturday mornings, we're only going to introduce you to someone that wants to work Saturday morning. So we have lots of freelancers who only want to work their time zone, who are flexible. I know for my internal team, I mentioned I have 24-7 support. 
I have some people that work nine to five Eastern and I have other virtual assistants that are, are working the night shift, which is their day shift. So as long as you're clear about what you want and your personal preference are, we can find a match that fits your need. So even though I've been using virtual assistants for a while, like I said, I'm just scratching the surface. I'm a newbie. I haven't built a $30 million business off of, you know, primarily working with virtual assistants. And I'm going to guess, I'm pretty confident most people in the world have not, or in the United States, for example, have not worked with a virtual assistant for anything. So, you know, if we're kind of just getting started and, you know, maybe we don't know a task that we could just try out using a virtual assistant, but we know we want to get some of the things, you know, in our life or in our business off of our plate. And from a, an expert position in this, you know, if somebody wants to just get started using virtual assistants, learn how to hire people, what would you suggest just to try it out? Yeah, I would pick a small task, something that you do a few hours every week. How do you get a few hours in your day back or a few hours in your week back? Create a list of everything that you do on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. Prioritize it from easiest to hardest. Start with the easiest things and just try it out. And you're going to learn so much from that experience. Even if you don't have success, you're going to learn what not to do going forward. And what I did back in the day is I talked to these virtual assistants. I said, hey, how do you work with other clients? Hey, how's my communication style? How can I better communicate what I need and get a better result in the end? And just by talking with them and having that back and forth and meeting different people in different cultures with different skill sets and different backgrounds, I learned a lot about hiring. So that's usually a good place to start. Small tasks, talking back and forth, learning, asking questions. And it becomes addicting when you get good at it and you realize, hey, I can offload 50% of my work and focus on bigger picture stuff to grow my business. Awesome. So one of the things I've been thinking about recently, and a lot of folks that I know have been thinking about recently, you know, we're real estate investors to one degree or another, either passively or actively, a lot of us on this show. So we've been thinking about underwriting deals, and that's a fairly sophisticated type of activity. You know, the first pass you can, this is something that can be learned and developed over time, but it's not something I would hand to say, um, not to name names, but one of my virtual assistants that helps me send emails and book guests because it's not his skill. His English skills aren't particularly, they're not terrible, but they're not great. And I think it would be difficult to get him up to speed on that activity. So if we're getting into fairly more sophisticated business things like underwriting deals or maybe determining pricing strategy if you're running an e-commerce store, how hard is it to get someone on board for that? I mean, if we're kind of on the higher end of the freelancer spectrum, is that possible? You know, what can we do there as we get into higher value tasks? Yeah. So I like to focus on the three levels, the basic, which is more of followers to follow my system, the mid-level people who are kind of in that 10 to 30 range that are more specialists that do one or two things really well, the graphic designers, the bookkeepers, the writers, or the experts, the 30 and up who can consult, project manage, execute high-level game plans. So when it comes to that, I usually start off by saying, hey, do I want a specialist who is going to execute or do I want an expert who's going to execute and consult and bring his expertise to the table. And once I decide on the two, and I, I, I use my own platform free up, and I find the person, I really start off by setting expectations. What constitutes success? What is a failure in terms of this project and this work? 
What do I like? What do I not like? If I can show examples of that, it's always helpful. How do I communicate? What milestones are we setting? How often are we going to check in or meet? And those are all the things that, that I look to establish up front because the more time and effort you spend up front getting on the same page, the less time you're going to spend down the line on he said, she said, or back and forth that is going in the wrong direction. And as these projects or the work gets started, if I realize we're not on the same page or it's drifting off in a direction that I don't want it to go, I pause everything. I take a step back. We meet, we get on the same page, and only then do we move forward. And I found that's a really effective tool when you're working with those high-level freelancers. Mm, Okay. So as far as your personal experience working with virtual assistants, I'm just curious, what's the best experience you've had in hiring virtual assistants or a freelancer? And what's the worst? What's your spectrum of experience in this world? Yeah, I've probably had every good and bad experience you can imagine. I mean, I have a a virtual assistant who started off with me doing data entry work, and now she runs our freelance success team, which is pretty much our our recruitment team. So all the freelancers that are getting on the platform, the 1%, the one out of every 100 applicants that, that get in, she's vetting those people. And she's worked with me for eight years. I met her in person earlier this year in March when I went to the Philippines. We're very good friends. I'm the godfather of one of her kids, and we have a, a great working and business relationship, uh, or working and personal relationship. On the flip side, I mean, in terms of worse experiences, I've had freelancers that have tried to scam me, not in terms of stealing my stuff, but in terms of I hired two sisters. And instead of both of them working, only one of them was working and billing me twice. And it took me about (laughs) a month to figure that out. And it's all small stuff like that. I mean, you can always get the money back. As an entrepreneur, you can always make more money. What you can't get back is your time. So I realize that when you're having these bad experiences, the real key is to catch that stuff as early as possible. And I think that's what I've gotten good at because no one has a 100% hiring record. Even I just hired eight new customer service reps. And out of the first eight that we hired, six of them were great. And I had to replace the last two. But I figured that out in the first week or so that they weren't a good fit. And I replaced them with two people that are all-stars. So finding that out early, no matter how bad of an experience you have, is really the key because there's always going to be things outside of your control, whether it's personal issues or people not telling the truth or work ethic or whatever it is, you have to focus on what you can control. I love that. I totally agree. We can always go make more money, but we cannot get our time back. And especially for those of us who are either running businesses or multiple businesses or are doing things that require a lot of time, say more time than the number of hours in a week period, let alone sleeping and exercising and having personal relationships, we really need to leverage this. From my perspective, leveraging virtual assistants and freelancers, is they're really a tool for our business, not to dehumanize them <laughs> as people, but in principle, these things and your service like at FreeUp, you're a tool for us to use in our life and business so that we can get some of those lower value tasks off of our plate. Say maybe it's something easy that we can crank out on a Saturday, like sending emails. Well, shoot, you can hire somebody for a few bucks an hour to handle those emails. And then you can go enjoy your Saturday or do some other high value task in your business and replace that time. So I think this is very important for folks to try out in any business. 
And we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Nathan, what is the best investment you ever made? I mean, the best investment to me is always people. That That's really what's gotten me over the hump. I, I didn't grow both my businesses because I put in endless amount of hours, which I did. I, I grew it because I surrounded myself with people that were talented and smarter than me. I, I would say one of my best decisions was one of my first hires, Connor, who ended up being my business partner eight years later. And, and we've worked together on both companies. And we both contributed to each other's success. We work really well together. There's no one I trust more in terms of business than Connor. And that was a decision that I made pretty early on as an entrepreneur. So yeah, I mean, that would definitely be, be my best one. Did you ask worse too or no? <laughs> no, we'll get there. Uh, you know, for the, just give us a little bit of background. What was your e-commerce store? Is your e-commerce store just out of curiosity? Yeah. So I started off buying and selling people's textbooks out of my college dorm room. And from there, I got pretty good at at selling on Amazon, which was more of a bookstore back then. This was 2008. And there were no gurus or courses back then. I was really just doing a lot of trial and error to see what I could get to sell. And I tried everything that I was very familiar with, sporting equipment, DVDs, computer games (laughs) as a college guy. And I just failed over and over and over again. The only thing I could get to sell were these books. And it wasn't until I branched out of my comfort zone and found the baby industry by accident or by trial and error that my business exploded. So if you could imagine me as a 20-year-old single college guy selling millions of dollars of baby products out of my college dorm room, that was me. That's brilliant. I love it. And it's funny you mentioned college textbooks over the years as I've gotten further and further away from my college education, I've been just selling off my old college textbooks on Amazon and getting more money on Amazon than I would have gotten when they were essentially new books from trading them in at the bookstore. That's really an incredible racket they have going. So I can see why you would target that business. A lot of respect for building that baby business. That's pretty impressive. So what is the worst investment you ever made? The worst investment I ever made, hands down, was opening up an office. I had this remote e-commerce business that had no overhead, which was a huge advantage. And I had all these remote people and I created an office and I moved all the remote people into the office thinking that they'd be more productive and we'd be able to grow faster. And and having an office was like the, the final straw or the, the last step. And it didn't work out that way. I added overhead to a business that didn't need it for no reason. So our cost went up. By moving all these people remote, I had almost added control of their lives, which added stress and they were less productive. Putting a lot of people in a closed room led to drama and and other issues there. And I eventually got rid of the office and went back to going remote. And with FreeUp, we started off remote and we have no plans to not be remote in the future because of that lesson. And I think that with my work style, I enjoy the remote environment. And with the office, I almost felt like I created a nine to five job for myself where I had to go in every day. One of the reasons why I avoided getting a real job and became an entrepreneur to begin with. I hear that, man. I feel like if I had made the same decision in your shoes, I would have wanted to back out of it pretty quickly. So I get that. So what is the most important lesson you've learned in investing or in building your business? One of the biggest lessons is I only work with people that can honor their word and people that are honest, that tell the truth really at all times. If I'm working with someone, let's say I hire a virtual assistant and we agree that they're going to work Eastern time. And this is just a random example. And in a weekend, they they tell me, oh, you know what? That's actually not going to work with me. 
can I do the night? I might have a spot open at night, but I only want to work with people that honor their word to begin with. And I found that if you continue to compromise and you continue to adjust and, and you don't hold people accountable to what they agreed to originally, it leads you down a path that's very hard to recover from. And that really is in all aspects of life, whether it's your your friends, your family, your business partners, your investments, just surrounding yourself with good, honest people that when they tell you they're going to do something or they agree to something or they commit to something, they do it. Wow. So, you know, I really appreciate you sharing everything today. Uh, you know, for the listeners, as we're recording this, you know, we started at 7 a.m. and I'm sure you've been up for a while already. So even though you're somebody who is independent, you run your own business, you're up early getting things done and I give you a lot of respect for that. And I'm sure you're just going to continue to be successful. And I would highly recommend for everyone that's listening, just like you've said, give it a shot. If you haven't hired a virtual assistant or a freelancer before, just find something that you can try and just learn how to use this business tool, this structure, this idea of hiring people and multiplying your time and getting some of your time back. It's been very valuable to me and I would recommend it to anyone who wants to grow any business they're doing or get some of their time back. So Nathan, thanks again for joining our tribe today. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So if you go to freeup.com with three E's, my calendar is right at the top. You can book a free meeting with me. I'd love to talk to you about your business and how I can help. If you're a freelancer, you can apply right on the website to join the platform. If you're looking to hire, create a free account, mention this podcast, get a $25 credit just to try us out. Wow. That's a great deal. Just a $25 credit. Honestly, from my perspective, that's enough to try to be convinced. That's more than I spent on my first attempt at using virtual assistants. And I've gotten far more value than that over time in continuing to hire. So, you know, that's a fantastic offer. Nathan, thank you for joining us today. Again, to all the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. If you know someone who would benefit from the information that we're bringing, please share the show with them and bring them into our group and introduce them to all the content that we're bringing to you. So for now, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Thank you for joining in once again. And I hope you have an awesome day and an awesome week. And we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye.